Hi everybody, Josh here. I just wanted to real quick uh, tell you before this episode starts that it's going to sound like I'm mansplaining to Leia throughout this episode, and we really didn't want that to be the takeaway. The truth is that House of X, Powers of X is a very complicated uh, graphic novel, and each of us only really got about half of it, so we had agreed that I could jump in uh, more often than I normally would. So please let that be the takeaway that we really just wanted the fullest experience of this graphic novel and not that I was constantly jumping over Leia uh, to try and take, you know, some sort of mansplain position because that it was not our intent. So hopefully uh, that does not detract from your enjoyment of this episode. So please enjoy. Some deep reactions, please. All this comics narration ain't me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little five babies of what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Thank you, Vandello, and welcome again to Ret Conversations. My name is Josh Wasta, aka Fallout Fieri, and my lovely and wonderful co-host, Leia Cameron, is here with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Leia, you have been uh preparing for this this week's episode. Uh yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, we've been in communication. That's, this is a big one. That's uh, that's definitely uh a, a prepared um is a really generous term. I thank you for using it. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to what we are doing, let's talk about who we are doing it with. Uh, a special guest, Scott Sinclair, is here for us to explain House of X, Powers of X. Scott, welcome to the Graphically Novel Universe, and welcome to Rec Conversations. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Uh, <clears throat> so you are uh, a first-time guest on, on a Graphically Novel production, and we have a little tradition where we like our guests to give us a little bit on um, your background with comic books. Um, you know, how do they influence your life? Where'd you start? Um are they a big part of what you do? Hit us with a little bit of history. I started in the eighties. <laughs> um, no shame in that. No shame in that. Uh, I think all of us did. <laughs> primarily with uh, the things that were actively on TV at the time, uh, and for me, that was uh, Transformers and GI Joe. Um, and, uh, then I kind of fell off of it for a while, uh, kind of picked up a little of this, little of that through middle and high school. Um, but nothing, uh, regular, I suppose. Um, and then in college, I met Josh uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I'm not going to take all of the credit for that one. There were a lot of comic books nerds. There were a, there were a lot of comics around, uh, but uh, in in college there was a lot of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and Transmetropolitan, and there's your uh, requisite Transmet reference for the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of walked sl- like through uh, the the campus of Cornell College with kind of like some people have chick tracks. I just had uh, little blurbs on Transmetropolitan. I'm like. Have you met our Lord and Savior, Spider Jerusalem? Um, and and since I kind of float in and out of comics, um, I'm roughly following uh, The Few and the Cursed, which is Felipe Cogno's uh, Kickstarter project that he just keeps putting out a, a book of about once or twice a year. 
uh, kind of a Mad Max, but with supernatural stuff, um, you know, dry desert world thing. Um, uh, so it's it's neat. Um, he uh, teamed up and made a board game of it, and that is lovely as well. Uh, but past that, I I haven't really been in comics life as much. Uh, and then and then having kids, uh, starting to try to get Daniel into something, but not really knowing what's likely to be appropriate uh, or is going to look fine, and then isn't. Uh, <laughs> this Deadpool comic looks like it'll be fun. <laughs> well, that was his own doing, uh, because he he is uh, definitely an internet age child, and YouTube's absolutely everything, and 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 and, um, and dear God, that child loves his spoilers. Mm. Uh, so we've we've gone through the entire MCU, um, and uh, Deadpool is one of the few general Marvel movies that he hasn't seen yet. Uh, that and um, uh, the Old Man Logan Wolverine movie. Oh, Logan. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, whichever whichever title that was, I get them. You know, the hard R's, <laughs> right? Uh, but but not for an eight year old. I don't know. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. It was an excellent, excellent film, but I would not recommend it to an eight-year-old. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I'm starting to get back into it more um, for for him and and uh, trying to convince him to read physical media, you know, rather than just videos. Uh, and and comic seems to be our our middle ground because uh, he'll he'll read like uh, Dog Man and you know stuff like that. That's you know more cartoony. Um, but also less wordy. So maybe your captain underpants would be the other like <laughs> big name there. Uh, so yep. stuff like that. And uh, we're kind of moving, trying, I'm, I am trying to move him on to, uh, you know, something that might have a little bit more substance. Yeah. 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 My, my but eight year old niece, uh, Phil's daughter, oldest daughter loves Captain Underpants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he's eight. So, you know, well, yeah. so, I, she. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my, my, oh, this is neat is uh, yeah. a little twisted towards <laughs> what is appropriate for an eight year old. Right. You got to temper it a little bit. Right. Awesome. Well, uh, you have come to us and you wanted us to explain kind of what is the next step in the X-Men. If you're reading any X-Men books now, you kind of have to understand this plot. This is not the easiest plot to understand. Uh, It is packaged together. Um, So these were originally two different theories. One was called House of X, one was called Powers of X. However, they were released at the same time and they are captured together in the graphic as House of X, then Powers of X number one, and then House of X number two, and then Powers of X number two. So the way it is presented, I'm sure Leia will get into, but also by Jonathan Hickman. Um, So anybody that has... Yeah, like I said, anybody that has ever read Dragonlance uh, just kind of understands that he is not shy on the world building and the detail. So no, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that gives it a, a decent starting point. Uh, also, wasn't there something about House of M, or am I hallucinating? There, uh, or is that, or is that unrelated? Okay, no, there, there will be a House of M component to next time's okay. episode when we <laughs> do Secret Wars, which is another Jonathan Hickman that changed the universe. But uh, House of X, Powers of X, this season will be the most recent comic we do. Uh, It's only about two and a half years old at this point, and it is where every X-Men comic for the last two and a half years has has come from, or you need this background to get back in X-Men comics. So if you're looking for a jump on point for yourself, Scott, there you go. Now you can pick up Excalibur or X-Force or or the myriad of other X-Books after 
we successfully explained this to you. <laughs> so, your lesson today will be taught by Professor L. Uh, the uh, For the people who have not listened to this podcast before, uh, Professor L will take Scott through the plot of House of X, Powers of X. Um, we may just refer to it as Pox Pox moving forward. Um, and at any time, Scott has the full power to stop this entire podcast, to pull the brakes on the train that is this podcast and ask whatever question he wants. At that point, it's my job to answer his question. Um, and then I may reach out to Leia for help if I don't know the answer. And then if neither of us know the answer, uh, maybe we'll Google. Uh, <laughs> so... Take it away, Professor L. The floor is yours. All right. So uh, the uh, <laughs> the first thing that, that you need to know is that when I was researching this, um, before I even picked it up, because I have not read anything recent in terms of X-Men, or at least this recent, in, you know, in terms of X-Men, like in, in quite some time. Uh, and an article that I saw about it said that um, you did not need any prior knowledge of the X-Men to jump into this because it kind of restarts the X-Men. Uh, essentially. Um, this is a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, e I know I have a base of knowledge, you know, like for the X-Men, right? Like a very, like, I think most people do. Like everybody knows who Magneto is. They know who Professor X is, you know, Jean Grey and Cyclops and whatnot. Like that's, those are pretty, pretty common characters, but there were a lot of people that showed up here that I was like, I don't know who the hell that is. Um, so I'm going to do my absolute best with this. Um, there are going to be a lot of time jumps. Um, and that's the way the story is told. A majority of the story is set up between year one, year 10, year 100, and year 1000. And so a lot of times as I'm going through this, I'm going to tell you what year stuff is happening in, if I know. <laughs> <laughs> so away we go. Uh <laughs> so so does it does it give an initial frame of reference for anything that we already know or or are they is this a, a hard reboot kind of um, question? Uh, that is yeah. So here is here is what I have written down on how to know the differences in the timeline because we will be using year zero, year ten, year one hundred, year one thousand. Year zero, uh the clock basically starts from the moment Charles Xavier is sitting at a party and has his first initial glimpse of his dream in his head, the 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 overarching dream of peace between humankind and mutant kind, um, the glimmer of the X-Men. Um, so that is year zero. Year 10 is present day. So because comics has weird timelines that we've discussed on the show before. <laughs> Um, it is not 60 some years of history in the X universe. It has been 10 years since Professor X had the dream and this point in, in you know, in, in history. Um, year 100 is a possible future storyline um, in which, well, well, we'll get into that, but that it is a time marker in and of itself. And then year 1000 is, um, is another of those possible futures. Um, so the, the big ones that kind of wrap your head around around is year zero means the moment that Charles Xavier 10 years ago in continuity uh came up with the dream year 10 means now in the comic book continuity all right. yeah yeah got all that all right <laughs> it took me two read-throughs to really be like oh that's what they're doing clear yeah. as mud Got yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of things. And again, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I need to preemptively apologize because again, I did my best to sort this out and I still feel like it's, it's going to sound like I'm just word salading at you. 
Um, and I apologize for that in advance uh, for to both to you and to our listeners, but I, I'm doing my best <laughs> Leia, with the information I, have, I was I given. Have, I have faith in us. <laughs> good, good. Because so. this is the first one I've read that I'm like, I don't really know about this. <laughs> There's a line of Mystery Science 3000 of, uh, come on, you guys, we did Monsters of Go-Go, we can do this. Come on, guys, guys, we did all the Spider-Man stories. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So, all right. So we, we open up. Uh, with Professor X, uh, he does not look like he not like how you would imagine him. He's he's uh, in in the body of a different mutant um, named Phantom X. Uh, this is given zero explanation, by the way. Um, <clears throat> That's fine. Uh, but we're gonna go with that. We're just gonna take that information and say all right, and then move on. Um, <laughs> hey, you remember and, the the ending of X three, the horrible X Men movie? I think I yeah. actually just trauma blocked that right out of my mind. Was <laughs> was that was that the one with with Diamond? thing diamond thing oh uh, I, that I'm was terrible with phoenix names. That okay was the, that was the phoenix saga that was horrible oh yeah but in that okay. professor x dies and then there's the post credit like spoiler scene of him just waking up in some other dude's body yeah that's yeah yeah that's okay that yeah. is pretty much what happened okay All right. very good um but yeah it's given no context it's just we just accept this in the in the series so it's fine um, so he's he's watching some uh, some mutants emerging from little cocoons in this unspecified location, um, and he says to me, "My X Men," and away we go. Um, so five months prior to this event, uh, around the world, uh, and also uh, one location on the moon and Mars, um, mutants have been placing several like weird looking flowers. Um, these weird looking flowers kind of like explode into like a tropical plant life area, um, like it suddenly just becomes comes like they put it in one of them it shows that it's it's been put near a building and the building is just kind of like overgrown with like jungle looking stuff um and um at the so one of these is a, is called the jerusalem habitat it's in jerusalem um and ambassadors are summoned uh, telepathically by xavier to announce that there's going to be a sovereign nation of mutants named krakoa um <clears throat> these ambassadors kind of go in through this little plant life looking thing to meet the ambassador to krakoa who is magneto um, which is kind of cool. Uh, so Krakoa is a safe haven for mutants. Uh, it's only really accessible by mutants. Um, humans can go in, but only if they're accompanied by a mutant and have permission um, from the island, because Krakoa is also sentient. Um, so it's a, Krakoa it's a, is a mutant. <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a place. Yeah, but also yeah, it's a sentient mutant island thing. Um, and uh, Jean Grey is there. She's she's shown bringing in several younger mutants um and just kind of outlining the basic nature of the island to them um <clears throat> while this is happening uh on a ship that is near the sun uh it's a it's a space sta- station called the forge um and it's got a group of humans in it that call themselves orcus and they're trying to prevent the extinction of humanity um one of the things the major thing that the forge can do is build uh stuff and what they are it's shown that they're building something it's just like a giant head at this point um and that's all we see while this is going on 
um, Mystique, Toad, and Sabretooth uh, have broken into the damage control base. Um, they are looking for information. Uh, it's not specified exactly what they're looking for, um, but they get it. And they walk out and are almost immediately apprehended by the Fantastic Four. Um, um, what collection of Fantastic Four? The the four that we would initially think of? Or? Yeah. yeah. So okay. it's it's Reed okay. Richards, Wait. Invisible Woman, right. Johnny, and uh, and Thing. Yep. All right. Um, so cutting back to uh, cutting back to, to the uh, Magneto and the ambassadors. He's he's showing them around some of the Krakoan habitats, which are accessed through these little plant portal gate things. Um, it's also revealed here that mutants now have their own written language in order to create their own mutant culture. Um, I also want to point out too that they're all still speaking English, so I'm not clear on how this works. Like anthropologically speaking. <laughs> I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but as an anthropologist, I um, it's very confusing because I was like, okay, you've got a written language, but you're not speaking a different language. You're just okay, sure. Um, and, and they didn't, <laughs> and they didn't decide to like italicize anytime they're using their no. own language or anything. Yeah, it's everyone is that's... is a hundred percent speaking English. <laughs> I mean, that's so... that's not a hard, you know, uh, thing to. Uh implement just yeah here's here's english and if it's an italics obviously it's not english english yeah right. yeah all right. So all right i think we're gonna I... get i think we're gonna get to this a little further when you find out how this language is both created and administered <laughs> yeah it's there's a lot happening um all right <laughs> yes because there's no duolingo for this no <laughs> Um, so, uh, so the investors are, are a little concerned about the, essentially the military implications of the portals. Like, you know, one of them points out that you can like bring entire armies through these portals and have them just popping out wherever. And like, isn't that kind of sketchy, you know, whatever, but a uh, good guy Magneto is like, no man, it's a refuge. It's not, you know, we're not going to use this for attacking people. Like, why, how dare you? Um, <laughs> And uh, they want to go. There's to... some sort of history to me doing things like that in the right, past. Right, right, right. Uh, I like you... I like the clarification Why? that it's good guy Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you imply that I, Magneto, would do such a thing? Um, Are you so... an anti-Semite? <laughs> <laughs> I love Magneto. Um... I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's my guy um so uh the, the ambassadors want to go to the actual island of krakoa um and uh and magneto is like absolutely not get fucked you're you're human uh it's not for you so this is where we learn that mutant culture is what's called a closed culture um which is really interesting uh so they've got their own written language still speak english uh but they have it closed off to to humans to form their own culture so there's a lot going on uh with that which is i'd like to do a little thesis on that but i won't um <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> yes. Um, so, meanwhile, back at the at the at the uh, Fantastic Four fight, um, they had they managed to capture Sabretooth, um, and just as as they do, uh, Cyclops ho hops out of the plant portal uh, to attempt to remand him into essentially mutant custody. Uh, Reed Richards disagrees strongly with that, and Cyclops is like, eh, you know what? Never mind. Uh, you can you can keep him. Um, that's cool. Uh, just let your son know um, that whenever he wants to come to Krakoa, there's a place for him. And then he dips. So uh, Franklin, Sue and Reed's son, uh, is a mutant. And, <laughs> Thank you and for so... answering that before I could ask it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, but, and... but cue, the, cue the dude standing smugly and everybody around him going, oh! Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just like, hey, so when your son is done dullying himself with you... <laughs> Yeah, like it it really had some big like tell your wife I said hello energy. Like <laughs> <laughs> um 
yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, it should be yeah, pointed out that in the subsequent few years before this, Cyclops has generally not been a good dude. <laughs> Wait, he was a good dude? Well, okay, he was a bullshit dude before. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you cut back to uh, to Magneto and the ambassadors, and it turns out that none of them, uh, it's it's revealed through telepathy that, that none of them are actually ambassadors at all. Um, they're just an assorted bunch of uh, either rich capitalists or former strike shield and or sword members um, who were essentially masquerading as ambassadors in order to kind of get uh, a foothold in on this whole Krakoa deal. Um, Magneto, of course, is pissed about this um, and uh, tells the humans, you know, each shit you got new gods now um and they, they they do this in this wonderful panel that's like overlooking the city of jerusalem which is just like such a hot uh fucking take on this i was just i was loving it um <laughs> so this is the part where we get into it and there's a whole issue that's that's dedicated to the character of of Myra mctaggart um and this gives us some backstory or, or present story or fu- future story uh on who and what she is um and this is where the storytelling pace really starts to kind of jump around a little bit here before so, we get into this leia i just want to yeah. uh, cover something that i think we kind of glossed over yeah in order to have krakoa identified as a sovereign nation basically what Xavier says is that normally we would have just given you some of the things that we have, but since you can't be trusted, basically we're going to have to do a tet for tet. So if you identify or any country that uh, recognizes us as a sovereign nation gets a drug that extends human life by five years, another that present, prevents all diseases of the mind, and a third that is the most effective, adaptive antibiotic the world has ever seen. So basically- Jesus. This- yeah, this, <laughs> this mutant island can grow plants that can create super drugs. So uh, it's, because, it's a, because it's a living island. Uh, question is, right. does the living island move or is it actually it, stationary? It can and it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has chosen for the purposes in this story to stay in in, in one place. Um, in the past, Krakoa was actually a villain uh, because it eats mutants um, like two or three a year. Um, well, how is else never... is it going to make those healing plants? Right. Uh, <laughs> and that is what how it sustains itself. Um, this will be solved later in, in the in the uh, storyline but yeah so it, it, it is kind of important to know that basically Xavier has changed his dream a little bit to be like normally if I was the person from 10 years ago I would have just given this to humanity and hoped that they appreciated the gift that I was giving them I know better now, so I'm going to give this to you only on the condition that you leave us the fuck alone. That's, y'all that's huge character development. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually learned that humanity is... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other thing, too, uh, that's important to note before we get into this as well, because uh, that, that actually uh, kind of spurred something I wasn't sure where to fit in, is that this uh, entire series has a lot of um, it's interspersed with a lot of very cool, uh, but very dense, like infographics and backgrounds. So like there may be, there's maybe be like six pages of like regular comic book, you know, action. And then it will kind of cut to a very dense breakdown of some of the concepts and um, backstory yeah. and, and yeah. world behind everything. And it is wonderful and it is, it is really interesting. Um, but a lot of this, I've had to abridge so much of this because I, my notes have been so very long. So a lot of this stuff I may explain, but I'm not going to like, <laughs> I'm not going to go into the the deep depths 
of every single infographic or or blurb that comes across because it is so much. It is, is so much. Yeah, there for the purposes of this to to do the background on it. Um, I sometimes look at okay, well, how did it? You know, because this is a lot. How did this YouTube channel do it? And the answer is five different hour-long segments. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there yeah. are much more in-depth than we're going to get. Uh, yeah. But really, if this intrigues you, just go and read the comic. It's it's very good. It is very dense. It'll take you a lot longer than a normal comic. But it is an awesome story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely very, very cool. But it is a lot to absorb. So, like, for the purposes of time... Um, there will be some things that I just kind of allude to because it's, it's again, it's super, super dense. Um, so a, yeah. a heavy read as opposed to a light read. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Not all one right. for the eight-year-old, maybe. No, God, probably no. not. God, no. I mean, I mean, make I, sure that if he finishes that you get him a personal pan pizza. Uh, <laughs> I will personally pay for a uh, extra large party pizza if an eight-year-old can read this and understand it. Um, just you know, we'll, we'll have him on for an encore episode. It'll be yeah, fine. Get in, there we get go. In touch with me, you know what? Red, red conversations at gmail.com. Um, yep. <laughs> like, like here's here's my kids' book report on House of X, Powers of X. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I'm to start the, the Pizza Hut uh, personal pan pizza comic book rec conversations club. <laughs> That was, I, I want to do that with with all of these. So that was you know. how I that was how I fed my family for in the late eighties to early nineties. Man, just don't don't discount it. I had I had so many of those things. Um, <laughs> so. oh, God, we can't can't make groceries this week. Leah, go to the library. Yep. No problem. Yeah, I actually had a librarian call my house to check up with my mother to make sure that I was actually reading the books my mother like you know that I took home from the library. And my mother was just like like long suffering like. <sighs> Yes, I really wish she'd go play outside. She has been reading everything. And the librarian never called again. And I got like infinite pan pizzas. Um, (laughs) Because they were like, she's checking out adult books. Is she really reading those? Um, The answer is yeah. So, so, all right. So we're going to get into the story of of Warren McTaggart. Um, Take a drink. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, So um, year one, uh, Charles Xavier is at like a like a street fair or a carnival type place um, where he is sitting on a bench um, just kicking it and and has as Josh explained earlier the moment of of the dream where that kind of pops into his head and is like hey wouldn't it be cool if um, and as he's sitting there thinking about it uh, Myron McTaggart appears and uh, sits down next to him on a bench and introduces herself um, you know she's kind of like oh like you know why are you so happy or whatever and he, he tells her oh, I just had this wonderful dream about a better world and my place in it and and she looks him at, she looks at him dead in the eye and is like, well, if it's not a dream, if it's real. Uh, and he's like, bitch, what are you talking about? So she invites him to read her mind. Um, and then we jump forward to year 10. Uh, and that's in Krakoa. Um, Mystique and Toad arrive in Krakoa with the uh, flash drive that they had stolen from damage control or... I don't really know if it's a flash drive, but it's like a piece of data holding machinery. I don't know what they call it. Um, and uh, ends up giving it to uh, Xavier and Magneto. We skip again forward again to uh, year 100, um, where humans and mutants are engaged in a war against one another. And that's all 
it, stemming from the creation of Krakoa. Um, so there's a lot going on in this particular section. Um, there is a little team of mutants um, that are escaping from a group of sentinels. Uh, it is comprised of Cardinal, Rasputin, Syllabelle, and Percival. Um, heard of one of those. Can yeah. The, the 30 second synopsis of them. So they are so, uh, future mutants. So um, the the only one of them that I recognized was um, Rasputin, which is basically um, these are the only other time that I've seen these mutants is in the Age of Apocalypse storyline um, because these were created to be hounds, which were Apocalypse's like pet mutants mutant killing machine things um but a lot of these you're going to through the reading the story you're going to get to know who they are mm -hmm. i believe they are wholly new characters since this is a hundred years in the future yeah sure. there um some of them not all of them uh i think two of them uh rasputin and Silabel, um i believe are are um what's called uh chimeras um so they're they're hybrids of other mutant genes um from there were that were spliced together from like a a breeding program that was engineered by Mr. Sinister and their their objective mainly is to to fight to be able to fight um it's very weird um but yeah they're future mutants uh, they're they're kind of brand new to this as far as I can tell um even Rasputin it's not Ileana Rasputin it's just Rasputin even though that character is female um so they're two different two different characters um so anyways uh they uh they're they're trying to escape and they they plant a little Krakoa seed so they can get through the portal um, and before they do, Percival bites it, um, and Syllabelle is captured, and the other uh, the other two get away. Um, Syllabelle is brought to Nimrod um, on in a place called the Human Machine Monolith. Um, so in this future, humans and machines are like the same thing, kind of like humans have like a lot of enhancements they're like half machine half human right. um and um so he he greets her apologizes for her entire existence being a terrible idea um and basically just kind of kind of talks shit about her for a little while it was like hey you know you were a mistake um and then he puts her in a machine that is like a hive mind that absorbs her sentience but kills her. Yeah, it dissolves her and keeps her sentience. Yeah. Um, so the other ones that manage to get away uh, are greeted by by Wolverine and pals. Um, there's something going on here uh, that's difficult to explain, and it doesn't really get explained fully until much, much later in the series. But basically, Wolverine and um, Cypher and Zorn, and I'm suddenly blanking on the fourth one. Uh, he also has a weird name. I didn't write it down. That was very dumb of me. Uh <laughs> That's fine. I probably wouldn't recognize the name anyway. <laughs> I'm like Nimrod, Cipher, Zorn. Ah. Yeah. So basically, they're 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 the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, and have like this apocalypse horseman form. Um, like Voltron. <laughs> it's like Wolverine sure. looks like Wolverine looks like Wolverine. Uh, everybody else, um, I think like it's, and I'm not super familiar with the other characters, so I don't know if they had a previous incarnation where they looked different, but they're basically, yeah, like they, they have, you know, so Wolverine is war. Um, I can't remember what the other ones, why didn't I write this down? That was really dumb. Um, or pestilence, famine, and yeah, there's war, pestilence, famine, and death. Um, so that's, that's how that goes. So he's, so they're greeted. These ones that they get away are greeted by, by him and the other incarnations of 
the four horsemen of the apocalypse um and wolverine's like i'm gonna take you to the old man right um, uh it's it's by the way it's wolverine zorn krakoa itself that's right thank you that's krakoa why i was blinking slash cipher because they have they have melded into each other over 100 years and magneto okay i don't know why i'd blink out on magneto right. um it's <laughs> very strange of me uh, I've had an entire massive cold brew today and apparently it's not working. Um, so we go back to, or go forward to really, uh, to year 1000. Uh, and uh, Nimrod has a whole library of mutant consciousness uh, that's being used to provide like a tactical advantage in warfare. Um, and it is pointed out to him that the library is now useless because of the quote unquote surprising end of the human machine mutant war. It is not stated what that end is yet. Um, so this is now where we get into the backstory of, of Moira McTaggart. Um, she's had several names, but for the ease of reference, I'm just going to call her Moira from here on out uh, to cut down on any confusion. Um, her whole thing is that her mutant power is a form of reincarnation. However, it's not the type of reincarnation that you would immediately think of. Where, or want. Yeah, or want. Um, where like, okay, like you, you die and you are reborn, you know, and you live another life kind of going forward in the progression of the future, right? So like you die at 78, you know, or whatever, and then you're reborn again, and then you live to 64 or whatever, you know, so like her reincarnations is take place in the same timeline. So she's always herself. She's always born at the same time, but she can also alter her, like, it's like her existence kind of warps reality around her. It's really difficult to explain verbally what, what how this works. Um, she remembers everything from her previous lives. Yeah. Like Alia yeah. from Dune. Yeah. So, As, like, so, yeah. She dies and then all of a sudden she's a fetus. Right. Yeah. She, she becomes, uh, she, she's even like fully sentient and aware, like in the womb. Like she knows that she is like, Hey, I'm just kicking it in the womb, you know? And can you uh, imagine trying to parent that? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's <laughs> so like on her, so, you know, she has a perfectly normal first life. Um, and dies of old age peacefully um you know and then again like you know like josh said wakes up and is like i'm i'm in the womb i'm a fetus uh so for her second life she kind of ends up being like a she's considered a child prodigy because she retains all these mem the, you know the memories and 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 intellect that she had from her previous life um so uh in this second life um you know after she dies of, of old age the first time around second life she studies biology and psychology at oxford uh in attempt to kind of figure out what what she is or what the hell is happening um uh, while she was at oxford um she she went to college with uh professor x um and so she sees him one night uh on television uh essentially coming out as a mutant um so she decides that she's going to hop plane to america to talk to him about what she is because she thinks now okay i must be a mutant too because this is really weird um so she hops in this plane to america and it crashes on the way it is not explained at any point why she didn't consider using the telephone first um <laughs> so she dies so that's like yep. number two um i'm and, sure she appears in the womb and goes son of a bitch right <laughs> exactly like <laughs> like like of all the fucking ways to go um <laughs> So in her third life, uh, she takes a, a turn and then decides to study genetics and anthropology. Uh, and I'm going to self-insert here and say it was most likely bioanth um, because I can't see. I mean, they are trying to create a culture, so maybe cultural anthropology would be good. But bioanth seems right if you're trying to figure out mutations. 
um she decides during this this uh third life that mutant kind is a curse so she develops a cure for the mutant gene uh, but does not get a chance to use it because mutants destroy her lab and capture her um and it's this point where she is told uh by a mutant named destiny who has precognitive abilities that she has a finite number of reliving so she she doesn't get to do this forever um she is warned that she has 10 maybe 11 lives uh and that's all she gets. And if she dies at any point as a child before her mutant powers activate, uh, that's it. She's done. She won't reincarnate again and her life cycle stops uh, and Destiny threatens to do it to her if she ever goes against mutant kind again. She's basically like, change your fucking ways, act right, or we'll just fucking kill you next time, you know, next go round. Um, and so Pyro ends up burning her to death as a warning. Um, God damn it, Pyro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they, they like specifically are like, do it slow so that she remembers yeah. not yeah. to fuck around. Uh, she she fucked around and found out. Um, so life number four, uh, she does change her ways. Uh, and this time she falls in love with Xavier and dedicates herself to aiding mutant kind. Uh, and then she's killed by Sentinels. Um, in life number five, she tries to meet with Xavier again, uh, but this time she does it 10 years prior to when they were supposed to meet, and she's only 13 at this point. Um, she has him read her mind and, and see her past lives, uh, which kind of radicalizes him, and he ends up organizing like a, a mutant legion, uh, and once again, she's killed by Sentinels. Life number six has no data. We don't know what happened there. Um, yet. <laughs> Life number seven, um, uh, Myra decides the best possible course of action is to uh, kill the entire family of the guy who created the Sentinel. So not just him, but like anybody who he's pretty much ever talked to or shares DNA with him. Um, and honestly, who could blame her? She's been merged twice by them at this point. So like, I get it. Um, the problem is, is that Sentinels are created anyways, um, because basically that's just kind of the nature of, of human invention. If it, if it wasn't uh, Boulevard Trask, it was going to be somebody who creates these Sentinels. Um, and of course, guess what happens next? Worked by Sentinels <laughs> again. <Yep. laughs> Wakes up, son of a bitch! <laughs> like, I'm getting real tired of this shit. Uh, <laughs> this would make a fantastic video game, by the way. Like, just, um, instead of game over, you just get like womb and son of a bitch right <laughs> um so uh so life number eight uh has her allying with magneto instead of professor x uh who really genuinely did not need to know about the future mutant holocaust uh to be even further radicalized um like he is he he really like he is not having a good time um and this time for a change they're they're defeated uh defeated by uh the kind of mixed team of avengers and x-men so not sentinels this time uh just just the, the superheroes um life number nine uh she has her going straight to fucking apocalypse uh to join in in this like endless war with humankind um it's not specified how she died in this life but my odds are on a sentinel um Boom, son of a bitch right exactly <laughs> uh and in life number 10 she decides that she and charles will quote break all the rules and this puts us back at the start of the issue again so it kind of closes on the way that it opens which was pretty fun i, I like this part um i think that the character is really fascinating um so that's that's that on moira 
Um, and now we're back to the jumping around in time stuff again. Um, we are back at year one. Uh, in this or one, year zero, depending or, on yeah. yeah, year one, year zero. I have it written down as year one, but it could just be that I didn't read that correctly. Well, uh, and that's fine. I'm just clarifying <laughs> for people listening. Year one and year zero are used interchangeably because they really mean the same thing. Birth of the dream. Yeah. Um, so, so this one sees, uh, Xavier and Magneto meeting up, uh, in a base called Island M it's located in the Bermuda triangle. Um, and Xavier and Magneto are, are cool again. I mean, as cool as they can be with one another. Um, so, uh, he can, so, so Xavier, uh, convinces Magneto to take his cool helmet off and let Professor X show him Moira's past lives. Um, and so, so he does. And, you know, Magneto is like, holy shit, why did you show me all this terrible failure? Uh, and, and Xavier tells him, you know, the reason that he thinks that the only reason that, that all those failures happened was because he and Magneto weren't allied together. Uh, and he and Moira have come up with a ambitious plan for mutants to not only just survive, but actually thrive for a change. Um, so they decide to join forces on, uh, it, so we, we go back up to, to year 10 again. Um, and then on Krakoa, uh, Magneto and Xavier, uh, are showing Cyclops the plans from the data that Mystique stole. Uh, and what it is is it's plans for something called a mother mold. It kind of sounds like it's a sourdough starter, but it's not. Um, what it does? Well, my sourdough starter now. <laughs> 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 it's <laughs> i read that and i was like this is a i don't i don't really care for this name give it any kind of other name but oh all right good uh it does not make sourdough it makes other master molds uh and they're all in orbit around the sun what those things do is they create sentinels so we're back to the sentinels again there's a lot of sentinel action in this um so it, it's it's been built but it hasn't been deployed yet uh by orcus and they are afraid that Nimrod will become operational if it's activated. So Cyclops is like, I'm going to go take it out before it can go online. Um, fast forward again to year 100 and uh, Cardinal, Rasputin, and Wolverine are in an asteroid because that's a cool place to hang out. Uh, they are, um, they have in their possession an indexing machine and it contains a data repository of machine knowledge locations over to apocalypse so basically they're, they're giving this this thing it doesn't really have it doesn't have data on it it just has the locations where data can be found if that makes sense <laughs> so it, it's a whole bunch of wikipedia links kind yes. of yeah yeah i mean like it's it's basically like you you know it doesn't actually contain the wikipedia entries but it tells you where you can find it on wikipedia <laughs> um so uh they've they've stolen this thing from from nimrod uh cypher being cypher of course is able to decode it relatively quickly uh and find the location of the data they're looking for um but wolverine argues that it would be a suicide mission uh on account of all the sentinels that would come after them you know if they tried to to get into where this this data is located uh, apocalypse of course is like nah bitch i'm in charge we're doing this um and and they proceed forward fast forward again to year 1000 uh, and in order to prove, this is the part I'm having, I had the most difficulty with, and I will continue to have a lot of year 1000 stuff. Yeah. Year 1000. Um, in order to prove their civilization's value in the universe, Nimrod and a character called the librarian have created a world mind. A world mind is a celestial object that has been converted into a singular intelligence. Um, it's, it's found and then eaten 
by the phalanx, which is a hive mind type of AI race. Uh, this is where I have to be completely honest and say that I struggled to understand what the hell is going on in year 1000. So uh, I, phalanx, I, I, if you want me to jump in and help, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like I felt this is the part where yeah. I felt like I needed a PhD in like mutinomics or something to order to, to like grasp the story. You, you um, do need a, you need, um, you need Jay and Miles, which is another podcast. Uh, <laughs> there's another podcast called Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. And they are the people that know everything about the X-Men period. Uh, so there are a lot of different elements of the X-Men past kind of hodgepodge together into this. The phalanx is strictly uh, like, it's kind of like a non-organic Borg. Um, they are uh, a completely AI race um, that goes and tries to find worthy races or civilizations to join them. Um, and the big thing is that they do not consider uh, biological beings. So what Nimrod, who is mostly, uh, well, almost... Uh, I think he's all machine because he's a, like a super, 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 super sentinel. Um, and the librarian, what they have done is they have put an artificial intelligence that is the repository of everything the society has into a biological being in an attempt to trick the phallic into accepting a biological being for the first time. Um, so yeah, that is that is what they are doing here. Um, and this is what will eventually be of humanity, mutant kind, society, everything that is Earth will eventually, this is the moment in which it's just absorbed into another culture entirely. Yeah, it's yeah. super, super weird. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's again, very dense and most of it is explained in those little like blurbs yeah. um, after the chapter because it talks about types of societies um, and it starts with planetary. So there's like your first type of society is just a single machine. Then you go to Hive, then you go to massive intelligence and then you jump to societies that are galactic so technarch uh world mind phalanx yeah and and the phalanx is basically like a collection of interstellar societies in a scale where all of them are a world mind but they span like multiple galaxies oh so, yeah wrap your head around that concept <laughs> got that <laughs> Cue, cue the uh, gif of person looking confused with numbers and angles and stuff swirling <laughs> around their head. <laughs> Jonathan fucking Hickman, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like, like for the record, this was about the part where I, I turned into a, a sentient version of like mathlady.gif. Uh, <laughs> because, because, because wow okay um sure there are some right, concepts great. in this book yeah <laughs> this is and i consider myself a reasonably intelligent person and i was really 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 having a hard time with that so i i would not fault anybody else to, for for not understanding what the fuck was that was about uh either because that's a it's a lot um, long story short too late um <laughs> if, yeah if nimrod is allowed to come online this is the end this is the end result every time um is is eventually uh human society mutant society everything that has existed on earth will be essentially erased into the phalanx five mind um which you know would be a good result uh <laughs> they probably won't consider that a good result but you know <laughs> Uh, it's 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 so much uh <laughs> So, uh, so that's, that happens. Um, and we go back to year 100 again. Um, this time we are at a place called the Temple of Concordance of the Church of Ascendancy. Um, this religious order, uh, preaches basically that all humans are slaves. 
the ones remaining should reject their humanity and become human machine hybrid things and worship machines all right um so the x-men show up and attack this church uh nimrod is told about it by omega sentinel but he doesn't give a fuck he's busy um so she 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 goes and and, and fucks off to go investigate why the x-men are attacking this this church uh with a bunch of sentinels in tow um as this is happening wolverine apocalypse and cypher are trying to get info uh to find out exactly when nimrod came online um but he's on to them and shows up to confront them back at the omega sentinel fight it almost looks like she and the sentinels are going to win but then rasputin lifts zorn's mask <laughs> opening up a fucking black hole that annihilates everyone so that is by the way that is that is by the way Zorn's mutant ability. Uh, he wears a mask that, um, if you are familiar with AEW, there are people that wear masks that look a lot like Zorn. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was born his, with his mutant ability being his head is a black hole singularity. So he wears a mask to basically protect everyone around them. This has been a thing. Welcome I, to cop. Yeah, this is this was this was wild. I, I <laughs> that. That particular panel happened, and I was like, all right. <laughs> For more on uh, Zorn, see when he was Zorn, then Magneto, then not really Magneto, really Zorn, and then Zorn's brother, and then Zorn again. Wait, what? Right. 90s. <laughs> <laughs> this all culminated, by the way, in, in uh, Magneto just being like, I don't like Jean Grey, and giving her an embolism. Uh, <laughs> oh, once again, Magneto. Uh, oh. There's iron in your blood. It's fine. Bless. No, no, no. He just like literally looked at Jean Grey and was like, "I don't like you." And she just like was like, and fell over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> so yeah, I mean, you know, so so a fucking black hole opens up and and just annihilates everybody. Um, meanwhile, back at the Nimrod Ranch. Um, Cypher opens up a portal to Krakoa. Everybody flees except for Apocalypse, who stays back uh, to fight. Um, back on the asteroid, uh, Wolverine wakes up uh, Moira by essentially force feeding her mind with an information crystal containing the data that she'll need for her next life. Um, then they kill her to send her on her way. Uh, specifically, specifically, Wolverine murders her. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Wolverine is like, bye, bitch. Uh, and it turns out that so year year one hundred uh, was Moira's ninth life. Um, is 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 what's revealed there. Hmm. Um, so FYI, now says, uh, that when Wolverine is about to kill her, she says, "It's okay, it's fine. I have what I need now." And this this is what you do. Yeah, it's it's just this whole story, man. I tell you, uh, <laughs> there are moments. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so back on, on Krakoa, um, Cyclops has assembled a team of mutants to go attack the forge that's uh, run by Orcus and right, destroy on, the mother mold before it comes online. Back in year 10. Yeah, back on, yeah, sorry, back in year 10. Um, they specifically do not take any Krakoan plants with them, um, saying that they have to basically get in and get out the old-fashioned way. Um, and they're doing that in order to prevent the mother mold from having access to the, the plant portal things. Um, they don't want it essentially to know uh, or to, to, to have... Uh, these plants available to it because they are afraid that it will take that data and use it to fuck over them, uh, which makes sense. Um, uh, they also mentioned too that they don't want to kill the humans that are on board. They just want to send this they just want to yeet this mother mold into the sun, uh, which seems kind of foolish, honestly, because there's nothing stopping them from making another one. Um, so, you know, in the end, Magneto was right. Uh <laughs> So 
at this point now we we cut to uh project achilles which is a superhuman supermax prison um inside the prison Sabretooth, who as you'll recall was captured um is on trial he's on trial for about two minutes before emma frost shows up with a pardon for him on account of how uh all the kirkoan people have uh diplomatic immunity um from this emerging nation um i personally do not think this is how international work law works like at all but all right uh do diplomatic i know immunity for every single mutant was built into the deal of recognizing them as a sovereign state. Yes. Uh, so if you have the X gene, you have diplomatic immunity, and you are basically beholden only to the laws of Krakoa. Yeah. Well then, yeah. Uh, should I know who Emma Frost is? Oh, oh. yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> oh, sit down. Have yourself a drink. Uh, Emma Frost. Okay. Emma Frost was the white queen of the Hellfire Club originally. She um, is my favorite. Um, I love her. Uh, she, okay. To give you the TLDR of Emma Frost, she was part of the Hellfire Club with Sebastian Shaw, which is a big X-Men um, uh, villain in like 70s. Um, if you watch First Class, she was represented, but not very well. Her powers are awesome telepathy, and she can turn herself into diamond. Um, she is. Uh, she also ran a school that was in opposition to Xavier's school, basically like the Brotherhood school. Um Ooh. In subsequent years, she kind of came over to the X-Men, but she is generally the uh, voice of just fucking kill this person uh, on the X-Men team uh, because she still, like, pretty much still has those villain traits but in a more controlled way. Um, uh, one, when Jean Grey died, well, before Jean Grey died, one of the times she was dating Scott Summers, uh, like basically cheating on Jean by having mind sex with Scott. Uh, and then it was discovered, then Jean died, then they were together, then they broke up, and then Jean came back. Uh, that's the TLDR. She is awesome. I would highly recommend reading her. There is an Emma Frost uh, graphic novel that kind of is her past that they retconned a bunch of stuff, but it is so good. He is such a fun character. She is very much an anti-hero in the way I love anti-heroes because she's like, I will not kill you. I will lobotomize you. Step aside. Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, she she ends up uh, walking off with with Sabretooth. They dip out, um, and then um, so meanwhile we cut back to uh, being atop the the Orcus Forge again. Um, and there's a a deeply philosophical conversation between the chief scientist there and uh, Omega Sentinel about how the Mother Mold eventually will probably start creating Sentinels uh, that end up just killing humans uh, in order to prevent any mutants being born. Um, but it's pointed out that uh, they've got control collars on this thing. So it's like, fine. Uh, and uh, Sure. Um, <laughs> can never override their programming. Right, exactly. I was like, these people have learned literally nothing, but okay. Um, humanity is a mistake. <laughs> no, uh, Omega Sentinel literally should have just handed a DVD of The Terminator. And mm -hmm. been like, yeah, watch that and then come back to me. Like, <laughs> Right, like like Ultron, Ultron didn't take place that long ago, guys. Pay attention. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> so um so the x-men arrive um and uh nightcrawler does his little boomf thing uh in to do some some recon uh and immediately runs into omega sentinel and the chief scientist um and she quickly figures out that they're gonna attack the the control collars um 
to send this this mother mold flying into the sun. Uh, so it's it's connected at four points um, by these little control collar things. And and this mother mold is not uh, fully uh, I don't know what the word here that I'm looking for is. It's not fully developed yet. Um, right. They have they have not yet put in the controls that will guarantee that it will not turn on humanity. Yeah. It's it's basically they're they're uploading tons and tons and tons of of data into it to to get it to become you know a sentient AI. Um, but it's not it's stable. it's basically yeah it's not stable and it's not fully uploaded yet. Like it's in the, in the process. It, it's it's basically like uh, you pretend it's 2002 and you're trying to download a song from LimeWire. Uh, you know, like it's if it's it's like you know it's 17 17 years 37 seconds. Um, if we don't let it upload, it'll have a different brain. Abby, someone. <laughs> exactly. Because why would we install the safeguards before the rest of the operating system? Yeah. Mm. Really, really need to point out the humanity was a mistake. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, the, the X-Men are, uh, attempt to board, um, but the chief of security, whose name is, is Erasmus, um, sets off a bomb that kills himself and destroys most of the X-Men's ship. Uh, so he kind of suicides, suicide bombs out of there. The thing he was supposed to be protecting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure does. Um, uh, back on Krakoa, uh, Xavier is mind melding with the Stepford Cuckoos, uh, in order to speak with Jean. Gray, who lets him know that Archangel and Husk have died in this explosion, uh, and Nightcrawler and Wolverine are are injured. Um, Jean Gray and Monet stay in place on the ship in order to keep a telepathic link to Krakoa, um, while Nightcrawler, Mystique, Cyclops, and Wolverine decide to press on with the mission. Uh, Nightcrawler starts teleporting uh, them to, to various locations around the forge in order for them to destroy these control collar things. Um, they manage to pop off two before the X-Men ship is boarded and Jean is sent off in an escape pod and Monet stays behind to fight the humans as a distraction. Um, Cyclops manages to destroy the third control collar but Mystique poor mystique is fucking sucked out into space before she can pop the collar um like she is she is caught and they just open up an airlock and they're like bye bitch and that's it for mystique um (laughs) it's it was so abrupt it actually shocked me um so the humans decide to um activate the mother mold and bring it online despite not knowing whether or not it's essentially uploaded enough information to be fully sane uh but humans are dumb so that's okay super bad this is super this is so bad um this is a this is a really poor decision um Xavier tells the remaining mutants that they have to do whatever it takes to stop it. Like this is this is it. Do whatever they're fucking. Everyone, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, so Nightcrawler booms himself uh, and Wolverine onto the uh, the final collar, onto the fourth collar, and it's basically a suicide mission. Nightcrawler is immediately vaporized by the sun. Um, but yep. Wolverine, because he has regeneration powers, manages to kind of keep himself together long enough to free the mother mold from the fourth collar uh, before he too is vaporized by the sun. So he's gone. For um, now, until until his particles are right, rejected right. from the sun, until his cell, yeah. Um, and, and then it's his turn to say, "Son of a bitch!" Right? Yeah. 
So uh, Cyclops, meanwhile, is trying to find Jean's escape pod, but uh, but holy shit, he is also killed. Uh, this time it's by the scientist who was like, you guys killed my husband because I guess her husband was was the guy, the Erasmus guy who, who suicide bombed uh, himself. Um, we, we didn't, we didn't, what? We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jean's pod, meanwhile, uh, her escape pod is located by some sentinels. Uh, and she also bites it as well. Um, Professor X at this point is is just kind of watching all this happen and is is super sad uh, and vows no more. Uh, not no more mutants, which is an important side note here. Yes, very, very different. <laughs> it does kind of have a little bit of that flavor yeah, it in does. the text yeah. at this point. <laughs> Um, it's even the, the, you know, cause I did the, I, I did, I did the, uh, the house of M, uh, as our, our inaugural episode. And it does kind of have a lot of like allusions to that in these panels, these, you know, like two or three, uh, pages actually, where it kind of talks about it, um, and, uh, and Genosha and, and whatnot. And, um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, but it is, he does not say no more mutants. Um, very important. Uh, <laughs> By the way, uh, apologies to people in Wisconsin. She means Genosha, not Kenosha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Midwestern. I mean, born. yeah, people actually cared about Kenosha. Or, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what's in Kenosha? Uh, I don't know. Boots. It's the O N H Danish Kringle. Uh, that's that's where it comes from. That's where it's made. Uh, oh. We need to respect. We need to respect Kenosha, if for nothing else than my beloved Kringle, okay. the the, uh, the pastry of my homeland. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I take back everything I said. Please continue. <laughs> uh, my love. Here, here I was here. Had. I was just on Geonosis from Star Wars. So you oh know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very different. But yeah, very different. <laughs> So, uh, so we get back into some more time jumping around now. Um, <laughs> this this part is a delight. Um, I, I can't. Mister Fucking Sinister. Yeah. Um, so, so we're we're back at, at year year zero at, at Bar Sinister, which is the place where Mister Sinister hangs out, I guess. Uh, and uh, Xavier and Magneto have an audience with him. Uh, I really want to point out here that I love this character. Um, the first he thing he does, himself. He cloned himself. So that's into just, like his own society. Yeah, it's just so everyone is Jesus. Yes, everyone is Mister Sinister. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> so the first thing he does is compliment Magneto's cape, demand one of his own, and executes his butler, who is also his clone, for not bringing him a cape sooner. <laughs> Fucking total queer icon. I love him. Um, style goals, life goals, everything. The fact that Perfect. David Bowie could not play Mister Sinister before his untimely death is a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, like he he just oh my god, this character is so good. Who uh, would you cast him now? Oh, that's a great Ooh. question. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody that has like not just the the queer. You know what? No, fuck it, RuPaul. I could yeah, I could see that RuPaul RuPaul would have the gravitas, would have the the yes. Uh, I I also uh, I'm trying to think of. Ian Pose. Oh, I'm trying to remember the actress's name now. Um, she actress, would also be awesome. The actress, which which actress? The one that plays the the um, basically wicked mother in Pose. Oh, I've never seen it. I don't know. Oh, you should. It's <laughs> uh, hold on, I'm I'm now looking it up. It's gonna bother me. Um, <laughs> I I also uh, 
I also, also yeah, um, I also would accept Ruby, uh, not Ruby. Uh, <laughs> that's the character he played. I also would have uh, accepted um, Chris Tucker at, in in Ruby Rod mode to play Mister. Oh yeah, I could I could absolutely buy that. Um, and if we're gonna stay on pose, by the way, Billy Porter. Oh okay, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Solid. Okay. Perfect. We've casted him. I <laughs> will right, write the MC. Billy Porter <laughs> as as Mister. Sinister. Dear Kevin Feige. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've cast, we've cast this movie for you. Make it. As as you'll recall, back in 2016, I demanded that that Sam and Bucky get their own show. Uh, That's now, true. would like you more for me. <laughs> <laughs> now they're getting their own show and probably their own movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, now that now we've established that the MCU does exactly what I want all the time. Um, <laughs> I would uh, bring up example uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, that was before I came into my powers. My mutant powers didn't activate oh, until see. 2016. Okay. Okay, cool, um, cool. So 2016 was when I really started making those those calls. I also demanded that there be a Hawkeye show that's based on the Fraction run and look what's happening. So it's true. I it's true. No, I, I, I no um, longer doubt your powers. Again, I, <laughs> I retract my previous statements. Um, Billy Porter as Mr. Sinister. Wait for the announcement uh, because I, uh, yes. You yes. heard it here first on Brett Conversations. Uh, <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> when, uh, when we, are it, giving, when it... we are giving a thousand personal pan pizzas to children. <laughs> And Billy Porter is Mr. Sinister. You're here first. Yes, I'm here for this. Uh, I totally lost my place here. Um, <laughs> I'm just really, really excited about Mr. Sinister. It's Mr. Sinister. Um, all right. Uh, the point about Mr. Sinister is that I love him, and he's a, he's a queer icon. Um, so yeah, he he beheads his his butler slash clone uh, for not bringing him a, a cape. Um, and um, a cape specifically so, as fabulous as Magneto. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so Professor X and Magneto uh, tell him that they they want him to help them build a database of of mutant DNA um, because he's he's done it with humans, but they want him to kind of shift a little bit and build a database of mutant DNA. And init- init- initially, he's like, absolutely not. And as he's refusing, another Mister Sinister <laughs> beheads him, shoots him in the head. <laughs> oh, that's right, he shoots him in the head. Um, and it's like, hey, fellas, I'm the one with the mutant gene. Um, my mutant power is overthrowing tyrants and being absolutely fabulous. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, just give him his own show. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, so- I have to take a second and just read this panel because, he, <laughs> okay, so the sinister that he murdered was sitting in the throne in the middle of the room. The sinister is like, I didn't like the results. I won't tolerate such. And then there's just a blam. And then the other sinister moves that dude's body, sits in the throne and goes, oh, but I will. (laughs) And says, it's me, the sinister with the mutant gene. And if you must know, my mutant power is overthrowing tyrants and being absolutely fabulous. And Magneto just responds with, I can see that. And then... The new sister goes, so we're in this together. I love the ambition. I love every bit of it. So tell me, partners, what's next for our sinful secret confederacy? (laughs) That is Mr. Sinister, and I love him. It's so good. It's so good. Um, So so sadly, that scene ends. Uh, I would have paid good money to have it go on forever. Oh, Um, yeah. If it could just be an entire comic of just bar sinister stuff with Mr. Sinister. Who would have been happy with it? Chef's kiss. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and who would write that? <laughs> Me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sold. <laughs>
Coming uh, soon to the Rec Conversations site. Just this, yeah, just just two hours of of Leia's uh, Mr. Sinister fanfic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, now we skip ahead to uh, to year ten, where uh, Xavier and and Cipher are on Krakoa, uh, and Xavier shows uh, him that it's a sentient island that he he's able to telepathically communicate with. Um, to be specific, it's a few months before year ten. Yeah, it's not yeah. right now, but it's a few months ago. Yeah, there's so many <laughs> so yeah. many weird. I know. It, I just it, want to make sure that people don't get super confused. <laughs> thank you. More for, confused. Yeah, more confused. Right. Um, yes. because yeah, it does that a lot too. It'll be like year ten, five months prior or whatever and it's like okay just pick a timeline and stick with it i'm, um, I'm seriously straight in this boda box you're nine and a half <laughs> what yeah pretty much i mean like it will do that and it's just like it is pretty uh, much nine and a half this scene yeah. is nine and a half yeah so um so cypher uh learns some of the island's language and history um and there's but quite still a, speaks English. There, yeah, there, it still right. speaks English. Uh, there's quite a bit of it. Um, so I'm not going to go into detail here. It, this, it's... this part is also important. Scott, do you know who Cypher is? No, I was hoping that that would be explained in the story. No. Uh, All right. Okay. Who's Cypher? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he is a former new mutant, actually, from the original run. His name is Douglas I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's not Cypher from The Matrix. <laughs> no. Uh, his mutant ability is to understand all language and language is extremely broad here. So language could be computer language. Language could be spoken. Language can be written. He just has the ability to intrinsically understand language. Um, he's actually one of my favorites. Uh, in that he's super underutilized because for some reason X-Men teams always take him into combat. That's that's another really good utility mutant power. Yes. Right. Like right. her is. Like like so, my my favorite has always been uh the, the Jamie Madrax multiple man style. Like anybody asks, that's what it is. It's like let me let me spit out a bunch of copies of myself to do shit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the thing with Jamie Madrix that's awesome, like getting obviously away from this story, but All right. um is that once he reabsorbs, he absorbs the knowledge of that clone. Right. I could work and play video games and run <laughs> errands and take a nap all at the same time and then reabsorb and then once I reunify all of that is experiences that I exactly. have. Now, my other favorite part of Jamie Madrix is he has a lot of clones that are like, fuck you, I don't want to go back to you. <laughs> so there are, there are examples of Jamie Madrix's clones just running the fuck away. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, I hate clones. All right. for, for, for future episodes. So, um... I will also uh, let you all know that we are now joined by uh, my co-host and wife, Jennifer Holland, is here auditing this show. Hello. But she has no idea what has happened up to oh, this Oh, yeah, point. well, she's not going to... This isn't going to be helpful to her at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so there, there's a um, there's a lot of, of history of Krakoa, and I'm not going to get, like, super into it um, because it is again this is another part where it gets super dense um but uh basically it used to be Krakoa used to be one whole island uh and it was split into two islands um that 
uh, it was attacked. It split in half, uh, and uh, the the enemy that tried to destroy it uh, was was also trying to destroy the entire world, um, and was stopped by Apocalypse and the and the four horse ugh, four horsemen. Um, <clears throat> there's back in the super super beginning times. Yeah, yeah, like like thousands of years ago or whatever. This this happened. Um, You're negative. 5,000 or whatever. Yeah. Like, 50,000. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if this is this is one of the cases where it's like, if you'd like to learn more about this, please just go read the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. And try to decipher what it was saying. Yeah. Because uh, this was this was a, a whole pain in the ass. Um, so, um, so, yeah. So, Cypher is uh basically he builds like a like an interface that allows other mutants to talk to the island um and so that's what he does there um and back to year 1000 or forward to year 1000 um there's a character called the librarian uh this is another part where we we start talking about the phalanx again and okay so (laughs) the librarian offers himself to the phalanx uh in hopes of ascension uh and offers an orb. Um, the phalanx assimilates it, uh, and it transforms into a large uh, sphere, um, which confuses the, the piss out of everybody. Um, and and they explain that the uh, phalanx only absorb machine intelligence that they find useful, um, and that the librarian cre- essentially created like an empty shell uh, and and copied himself over into it in in the hopes of ascension. Uh, and and they're waiting and they wait for the phalanx to decide if if this form is acceptable um right (laughs) okay uh (laughs) basically will it reject okay so i had it wrong before it wasn't an ai that's in a biological form biological memories in an ai shell so they basically tricked the phalanx so they're waiting to see if if i can take human experience human minds uh not even human at this point like whatever the half sentient basically yeah sentient species uh into the phalanx um will it translate so will the phalanx accept it as an artificial intelligence intelligence um yeah it again very very dense mm-hmm. very jonathan hickman yeah uh, this, but this, at this, this point they're thing. waiting yeah it's processing yeah yeah, this 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 whole part with the phalanx honestly kind of felt like a weird, like it just delved into this very deeply philosophical thought experiment. So it was really difficult for me to parse as a reader. Um, well, at least you didn't have to deal with Raceland trying to kill gods. So, <laughs> oh goddamn it, Dragonlance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it just keeps getting wilder. Um, meanwhile, on on Krakoa, uh, Professor uh, Professor X has has assembled five mutants who can basically, and I'm really abridging this here, they can basically make eggs that can revive dead mutants. So they all, all five of them have different powers that they are essentially using in like an assembly line type situation um, to basically resurrect uh, these mutants. Um, so it's it, these mutants in, in particular are, um, are Hope Summers, uh, Eva Bell, uh, Proteus, Elixir, and Egg. Um, egg is the one that lays the eggs, just in case that wasn't clear. Uh, that, that's... Well, they now call him Egg. He used to be called Gold Balls. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This Should is I know actually who... his name. His name was Gold Balls. <laughs> Should I know who any of these people are ahead of time? Uh, I mean, okay, not, I can accept uh, that. Yeah, Hope Summers I mean... has a very convoluted story that comes all the way from House of M to she was the first mutant that was born post House of M, and then there was a whole deal about how people were trying to kill her. 
Hope Summerson's got a long ball. Yeah, she was the only one whose name I really recognized. Um, well, Gold Balls. Gold You'll balls? never forget that name. <laughs> never forget that. Never forget that. Um. <laughs> Proteus is the son of Xavier um, that Moira McTaggart raised. No, I'm sorry. That's Legion. Uh, Proteus is, I think he's another son. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Each of them have a different power. So Gold Balls makes these gold balls. <laughs> <laughs> that they then discover are unfertilized eggs somehow. Yes, yes. They, so Proteus, <clears throat> who can warp reality, warp reality to make the eggs viable. Then they take Sinister's uh, DNA library that they worked on and inject the eggs with the DNA. And then Elixir, who's a, like a Healy mutant, um, kickstarts this process of cellular regeneration. So now the eggs are actually like splitting cells. And then Eva Bell is a time mutant. Mutant, so she accelerates time. So all the uh, cells split and they basically have a fully grown mutant that comes out of the uh, the egg. And then Hope is kind of the unifier, but she also... Uh, oh no, and then Professor X throws their memories that he has somehow backed up onto hard drives into their mind. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he basically is using Cerebro, like a modified copy of Cerebro right. to do this. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it, it turns out then uh, it's shown that this is this is literally where we uh, where we open up in the beginning of the series with with Professor X, uh, you know, kind of hovering above all these mutants that are emerging out of now we know are not cocoons but eggs. Um, you know, he says, you know, to me, my mutants, uh, and everybody's alive again, hooray! Um, uh, everybody who who had died, uh, they are uh, they're back, um, and Storm declares them the heroes of Krakoa. Um, Are we going to go through the creepy part? <laughs> which which part? <laughs> Her announcing them to the island one by one. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't include that in in my notes, but yeah, he, she does include she does introduce everybody one by one. Um, they are naked in yeah. front of the entire island. Yeah just come out of eggs and she basically says uh this is this person do you see them and everyone just goes we see them but do we know them and then she's like what is your name and like each one of them are like uh i love scott summers <laughs> and how do i know it's you and each of them have to say something that only she knows and then she says this is my brother or sister or whatever i know them but he is not just cyclops he's more than that what is he and everyone like is like throwing their fists up and yelling mutant yeah it's like a weird rally it's, it's super weird oh. yeah yeah it's and, it's he, and she does that in fact for each one yeah yeah well that's a good way to chew up some page count <laughs> well yes but also <laughs> basically make it that mutants are cultists uh yeah apparently <laughs> it's just oh it's weird okay um sorry i just so wanted he, to make sure that that point was in there because man it struck me yeah yeah it was it was a lot. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, at the UN, uh, Emma Frost and Professor X are having a telepathic conversation about the UN recognizing Krakoa as a sovereign nation. Um, back on Krakoa, uh, in a surprising twist. Um, Before all... we jump back to Krakoa, sorry, <clears throat> yeah. again, uh, Emma Frost, super powerful psychic. You also find out that she changed one of the votes. Yes. Yeah. The, like, the Russian. Like, yeah, this person was going to uh, vote against us and all it took was just a little suggestion and they went the other way so we're good and yeah and Xavier's like awesome well thank you yeah. he's like dope <laughs> cool <laughs> tight <Yeah. laughs> 
um so uh so so back on Krakoa in a, in a slightly surprising twist um even so all mutants have been invited including the villains so they've been so all the 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 myriad of, of mutant villains have been invited to reside now in Krakoa um and they take the deal um they take the deal and everyone is cool um they're like cool neat um and FYI only... Apocalypse can talk to the island yes he's the only yeah. one other than <clears throat> Cypher that can just naturally understand what the island is saying yeah yeah it's it's implied that that's it's that way because he's like so old um and he saved Krakoa yes um so uh so yeah so the villains are now like cool we'll we'll come in we'll live here neat um so skip back to year one uh and so we learn that uh xavier has met with a mutant called forge um and commissions from him uh, a modified cerebro that will store the minds of other mutants so now we know how he was getting that uh good mutant energy to put inside the resurrected right. mutants <laughs> They're backed up once a week. Yeah. Every well, week. then. Just backed up. <laughs> so. Is that with or without their knowledge and or permission? Without either one of those. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Charles Xavier, for knowing what consent is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. uh, yeah, there's a lot of really unethical stuff going on. Uh <laughs> Oh, really? Around Charles Xavier? Who <laughs> <laughs> surprising nobody at all. Um, You're right. God, <laughs> Professor X is a dick. <laughs> So and he's the quote unquote good guy. Right. <laughs> um, so we skip forward to year 10, uh, and Xavier and Magneto are meeting with Emma Frost again. Uh, this time they're at the Louvre. Uh, and they are trying to convince Emma uh to help them uh use the the Hellfire Corporation, which she runs, um, to distribute those uh those super drugs um that, that are made by the plant life in Krakoa. Um they basically want to uh use her you know, the Hellfire corporation is like uh, a distribution um, point yeah they, for, for, they can't they can't get the drugs distributed basically like from scratch it's as somebody that works in supply chain i i very much understood this okay very good yeah because i was like all right sure sounds great um <laughs> to establish a brand new supply chain is like decades long so pretty much you need a corporation that already has that supply chain network because you have to deal with logistics you have to deal with you know permits you have to deal with like all these different things and you're also talking about worldwide so the smartest thing is to ally with a corporation that already has all those things and emma frost has all those things that makes a lot more sense now that you have explained it in that way i appreciate that <laughs> no problem this is literally what i do for my job uh. <laughs> Um, so, so at first she's, she's hesitant to do this because, uh, she was like, you know, look at, look at what happened with, with Genosha and, um, and they were like, all right, well, why don't you come and, and check this place out? So they show Krakoa to her and then she's like, yeah, you know what? All right. Okay. We'll give it a go. Um, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Xavier sends, uh, a telepathic message to all mutants inviting them to Krakoa. And the only person to turn it down is Namor. Who's like, I don't believe that you really think that mutants are superior come back when you're serious right because he's like because i will conquer the world i would just i'll take all of it but <laughs> like you, once you're again gonna, you're gonna be on the other side of the fence where you're not willing to get your hands dirty yeah like once it once again namor like you know so, so xavier sends out this this telepathic message and namor's like you know he's like you know uh 
you know, the, the message is basically like, you know, mutants are superior, blah, 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 blah. And Namor is basically like, how are you going to say shit to me that I already know? <laughs> I are you familiar with Namor, Scott? No, I was, I was waiting for a break. Uh, okay. Uh, Namor is known as the first mutant, although that's weird because it's obvious that Apocalypse was the first mutant. Uh, in a, in a, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Namor is basically Marvel's equivalent of Aquaman. He lives in Atlantis and rules Atlantis and does the whole thing. And he is, on any given day, a, a hero or a villain. Uh, depending on if you're in Atlantis's way. Like, he is, yeah. But he is also, he is a mutant, canonically. Uh, yeah. And and think about all of, like, the anti-hero stuff that a ruler of Atlantis would look at. So, like, you're polluting my oceans. Go fuck yourself. I'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. On, on multiple occasions, he's had, like, beef with Wakanda. Um, he also has, like, a boner for Sue Storm. Um, but at the same time, he's also very, very practical. See our episode on World War Hulk, where yeah. uh, the rest of everyone in the MCU has the world's worst idea, and he goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Nam- Namor's all right. Um, all right. <laughs> well, he's all right sometimes, is what I'm sometimes. hearing. Sometimes, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> on occasion. From from he, his he, perspective, much like Magneto, from his perspective, he is, he is very right all the time. Yeah, so I mean, I can't really be too mad. <laughs> he, he, um, his, his motivations are well documented. Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, uh, so yeah, so so um, so Namor's the only person to turn down this invitation. Is like, yeah, good luck with your little happy fun place. Um, fast forward to year a thousand again, um, and uh, so the phalanx has been has been processing this uh, this this offer given to them by the librarian, um, and so it decides to accept it um, and uh, destroy his group's leader. Um, and well, destroy the librarian's body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, I accept your consciousness, but we can't have I'm your not, biological not, 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 self not. just hanging around. So yeah. vaporize. Um, and so, uh, Nimrod basically speculates that, that, uh, the phalanx are, are part of a big black hole information intelligence network. Uh, and, and that's, so that's how they operate is they consume their physical form. Um, and because this has been accepted, they're, they're going to do it to earth. Right. All, all um, living things will be eaten. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes this. I mean, it, it's bad for us. I mean, <laughs> It's this is just the animal kingdom on a global or on a galactic, you know, <laughs> right? And it's it's either that or or uh, black hole face guy. Yeah, well, yeah, black I mean, hole either... face guy very gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either either way, there's it all ends in black holes is what I'm is what I'm understanding here. Uh... <laughs> and then close. Oh wait, eggs. Uh... <laughs> Jesus. We have a problem uh... with clones on this show. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's so that's that on that with the phalanx um and and then we we go back uh so so to like one month prior uh to the events of the the series um and this is where it's kind of hammered out um that professor x uses uh cerebro uh to send out a, a telepathic message to to all to everybody on earth uh, human, mutant, uh, whatever. Um, and he uses this telepathic message to uh, to offer up the aforementioned miracle drugs to to all of humanity. Uh, you know, for the uh, 
the exchange for those three conditions that we mentioned earlier, their inclusion in the in the UN, um, amnesty for all mutant criminals, um, and Krakoan citizenship for all mutants. Um, and uh, there's a, uh, basically in the, the Krakoan uh, government, essentially, it's called the Quiet Council, um, and it's got 13 people on it. Um, the uh, the Quiet Council, basically, uh, they're like a, like a, a house of government where they design the laws of, of, of Krakoa. Um, and so they come up real quick. Yeah. Um, in Xavier's psychic message, there are just a couple of really important points. Um, one, as I said before, is that he would have offered all of this willingly uh, 10 years ago. He actually says that to every citizen on earth and said, he says, we wanted to save you and we did many times. And then you killed 16 million of our people. And that was the, the, uh, genocide on Genosha. Yeah. So he says, there will be no gift. You have not earned it. And then he uh, basically ends with saying, uh, mutants are the evolutionary inevitability. We are Earth's true inheritors. Professor X says that. That's not Magneto. And I just feel that that's a pretty important point. Uh, It just really feels like, okay, well, fuck it. This is where we're at. (laughs) We tried. (laughs) Yeah. And, And basically he says here's the new truth while you slept the earth changed yeah yeah it's uh, okay <laughs> so yeah so now we oh. go to the council so yeah All so right. the council the council is it meets up uh to design um you know to to, to kind of hammer out what the laws of of this nation is going to be uh and so the first three laws of the nation um are that mutants must make other mutants mutants wow. shall not shall not murder humans um and the land of Krakoa must be respected um man this sounds familiar to werewolf players uh yeah <laughs> uh so the the council uh also puts Sabretooth on on trial because you know he's been remanded to their their custody and their their justice um, so uh, he is he is found guilty of violating law number two, um, and he is uh, sentenced to exile, like in Krakoa, like under the earth. Right. Um, and it just Conscious. kind of swallows him up. Um, in in Krakoa's tummy because Krakoa is a sentient island. Except yes. it's not digesting him. It's just keeping him there conscious. Yeah. Forever. Like, yeah. they specifically say there maybe in a in a few hundred years, we might come up and, and talk to you. <laughs> I mean, that does prevent him from getting into more trouble, which seems to be the thing he is best at. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's he's just he's just kicking it like in the in like underneath the the earth of Krakoa. Um, and uh, so after all that, uh, you know, and then the council adjourns and whatnot. Um, there's a celebration uh, of this this the birth of this new nation. Um, and with a Dazzler uh, concert. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and that sounds Xavier like and... a cameo. <laughs> It pretty much was. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Um, and and Xavier and and Magneto are you know just patting each other, themselves on the back like, all right, yeah, we did it, woo. Uh, <laughs> Yep. And so, so the uh, the wrap up here uh, is that when we get to the very last issue in this series, it starts. The first several pages are exactly identical to the issue uh, 
with that introduces uh, Moira McTaggart. Like it starts off with her encountering uh, Xavier at the uh, at the, the street fair or carnival or whatever. And they go through the whole, you know, I've just had this wonderful dream. It's not a dream if it's real, blah, 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 blah. Um, and um, he reads her mind. And then we jump right to year 1000. Um, and in year 1000, um, the librarian is there. Um, and he is in a place called the Preserve, uh, which is like a zoo, kind of, or like a wildlife sanctuary, um, except it holds mutants. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, animals, mutants, like, well, yeah, yeah it's. It, it it holds basically everything from from earth like all together um and while he is taking his leisurely stroll through the preserve he encounters uh wolverine and uh has a little chit chat with him about uh post-humanism um and he uh, it's a very deep philosophical conversation that i'm just trying to abridge here in my best um it, it, it yeah the the long and short is the phalanx are going to destroy all living matter tomorrow is 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 essentially what's going on yeah uh. yeah and so uh so he he lets him know that uh he's arranging for for him and moira who is still alive uh to basically be taken off of, of the planet before the ascension happens. Um, and uh, we find out that the librarian is basically uh, a post-human, um, mm -hmm. basically uh, kind of a species that has evolved out of uh, genetic engineering and tech um, to in an attempt to become equivalent to or outnumber or overcome mutant kind um so it's a basically a new species of of human um and uh basically if if moira dies uh when the phalanx consume the earth uh she can use her powers to stop them but if she's left behind her consciousness the or the dominion can use her her consciousness uh spread throughout all of space and time to stop her instead uh right. Right. complicated <laughs> yeah basically the phalanx if it gets a hold of her mutant ability uh, can go back to the beginning of her life as the phalanx so back to yeah. year zero or well before year zero back to when moira was born and be the phalanx so can destroy humanity from that point on so that humanity wouldn't know what was going on but still retain all of humanity's stuff that they got from uh the prime sentinel or yeah. whoever it was that was that they took everything from very complicated yeah. very very complicated this, i struggled with this part a little bit too because all the year 1000 stuff is like right but this is also where you find out that this is moira's Thick Sixth life. life. Yep. So somehow she was plucked out and kept in this reserve um, all that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really clearly explained how this occurs, but hey, comic books. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, and, and that kind of fucks with how she knows what she knows and doesn't know what she doesn't know and how she doesn't know about the sixth life on her own yep. to be able to. It sure does. It uh, sure uh, fucking does. And I think. Uh, I, I think that, and my my personal theory on this is is that it is because she has, um, because this is the longest lived life that she has. It takes her literally like a because it's year one thousand, so it takes her, I assume, a thousand years more than a thousand years to die. So maybe that's why, because it's the oldest life. Once again, get... a personal pan pizza to children. <laughs> <laughs> 
that we didn't understand this. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> because this was, yeah, this was the part that I really was just sitting there again, like mathlady.gif trying to figure out how, how this is all panning out, yeah. but okay. Um, Go to the long and short though. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's her sixth life. Um, and then we cut over uh, back to year one again. Okay. Um, hold on. Uh, Wolverine does murder her again. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot that part. Yes. It's Wolverine. Wolverine kills both the librarian and her uh, right. so that she can go back and, and stop uh, what will eventually be the post-humans. Right. Um, Although this time he says, don't worry, darling, this is what I do. Instead of her <laughs> saying, do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> How the um, hell was Wolverine contained for that long? I don't know. You know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> comics. But. <laughs> um, so Given enough time, apparently, according to Old Man Wolf or Old Man uh, Logan, the Hulk will just become an incestuous rape machine. So, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> We're not going to discuss that any further. No, nope. uh, not until not this somebody episode. asks us to explain it. So, uh, so that's back a different at, episode. Back mm-hmm. at back at year one, um, uh, Xavier has now seen all of Moira's previously lived lives, um, including life this six. Is, this is life ten that yeah we're yeah. dealing with now. So yeah. yes, now we're all caught up on yeah. all the lives. Yeah. He actually screams because um, yeah. it's a lot. Um, so he is, this is kind of where it's it, it, it's revealed that mutant kind always loses. Um, she lets him know that, you know, the one thing that's always been consistent is that, you know, Professor X is a, is a good person. Um, ish. Ish. Uh, and and that um, she had to tell him about this in order to ensure mutant survival. Um, and I get like they love each other. I I guess. Um, she says I've loved you and I've hated you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no. it kind of it kind of ends on a, a sweet note. Um, you know where she she's like you know we we you know we got to be together you know and it's time for you to wake up now um and that's that on that um and then we go forward from year one to or year zero to year 10 um and uh xavier and magneto are meeting with moira at a place that's called moira's no place so Uh, this is part of like a very subtle um bit of the the writing it is a cancerous basically a cancerous tumor within krakoa that Krakoa doesn't even know about and that's where Moira stays now yeah yeah because she is on her 10th life and it is assumed that she can she should no longer um manipulate things unless they need to kill her again yeah Um, yeah which is which is assuming that the announcement that she has 10 lives is actually truthful or as opposed to just right they said maybe 11 so there there is perhaps one but it is not guaranteed um right but if, so, if that was truthful in the first place right, right. but moira lives in basically krakoa's cancer that krakoa doesn't know about it's the only place that krakoa can't see uh and that nobody but charles and uh Eric Magneto know about. Yeah. So uh they meet up with her at this at this no no place uh to uh 
let her know about the the new council that they've formed. Um, and Myra's not really thrilled with it. Uh, like there's there's a lot going on here about like who's on the council, why they're on the council. Um, and uh, one of the things she's suspicious about is that uh, so Emma Emma Frost was promised three council seats. Um, so it was her and Shaw and then somebody else. Um, and then, who has not shown up yet? Who has not shown up yet? Um, and and nobody knows who it is yet. Um, but uh, Professor X is like, oh, you know, I trust her. It's it'll be cool. Um, because and, that's worked out so well in the past, right? <laughs> um, and and Xavier also. Hey, you're picking up on Emma Frost. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking in relation to Xavier uh, and his poor <laughs> poor decision making capacity. Yes. <laughs> for a psychic. Um, mm. So, so it's also revealed to her too um, that in order for uh, for them to convince Masik to join this council, um, they promised her that they would resurrect Destiny. Um, and Moira does not like that at all um, because. Hey, hey Leia, I'm yeah. going to interrupt you just to ask how much do you know about Destiny? Because this is this, this is, is the is first time I've house. seen this character. Yeah, this, this oh, okay. is the first time I've seen this character. Destiny is a precog. Uh, she existed in the late '80s, early '90s. She in fact raised rogue along with mystique mystique and uh destiny are the first lesbian couple basically in comic books even when they couldn't say that they were the first lesbian couple in comic books okay Um, okay good to know and destiny yeah destiny could see the future she wrote a bunch of journals it's 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 one of my favorite rogan in gambit storylines is extreme x-men yes with an x at the beginning of it because <laughs> god damn it uh but where they're looking for destiny's journals but yes mystique's one great love is destiny uh who dies so this makes awesome sense it has the queer aspects that i fucking love and i'm just mm. gonna throw all of it and it's brilliant excellent okay that's actually good to know that's a good that's that's good it's in because that wasn't alluded to in the right. storyline at all um, so that that's helpful. Um, but yeah, so they they promised her that they would resurrect Destiny, uh, and Moira does not like this at all because uh, Destiny, as mentioned previously, is is a precog. Uh, she is able to see the future, and um, if they bring her back, she will be able to see the future and know that the mutants lose every single fucking time, and they don't want anybody else to find out about it because that's you know bad. Um, and so she's she's very much uh, she's very much opposed to it. Um, but Xavier and Magneto <laughs> promise that this time it'll be different. Um, and no, baby, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a different person now. Do, do you guys, you guys ever it's watch a different humanity now? It's fine. You right. guys ever watch uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 fucking professor weird you know this time will be different it, it wasn't right. different at all was it Steve? That's exactly what's happening here. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah fill me full of barbecue sauce because i'm dumb as hell um <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it they basically and this is this is basically how it ends is is they they're like this time it's going to be different um you know magneto's like i'm not ashamed of who i am let's you know have, let's see them try to stop us this time and that's that's it that's that's it that's the that's the series so bring it fate yeah yeah so like the mutants are just going to lose forever and the there's like three people who know it uh so it's kind of sad really (laughs) 
Well, I mean, it's supposed to be somewhat optimistic. It's supposed <laughs> to put them in the, we're the underdogs. This is the only, you know, future that is not predetermined, I guess, because we've somehow figured out all the different futures. Have uh, you, though? <laughs> Kind of like the end of Terminator 2 with the road, where yes, Skynet has won every other time, but maybe this time it's different. <laughs> and then the fact that there are subsequent sequels means it was not different. It, it wasn't different at all, was it, Steve? Uh, right. <laughs> it was it was different, just not better. Yeah. So Probably. so yeah, so that's that's House of X, Powers of X. Yeah, um, that's hot spots. Uh, Scott, do you feel like you understand this? Uh... It, it's okay if you say no. <laughs> I think I understand more, and I think it will make it a. I think it will make it an easier read. Okay, good. Okay, good. awesome. That's, so that's... It's, it's it's now time for the second uh, after House of X of uh, my favorite little bit that I put in called "Where Is Gambit." Uh, <laughs> If you will recall in um, in House of M, uh, it was that he was just robbing something and then uh, Captain Marvel came and just put him in jail. Um, that was better because he's not in this at all, despite he being one of not. the most. Yeah. Um, he was not even in the background of a panel. <laughs> yeah, this is the the world's most difficult Where's Waldo game. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 even worse than that because if you think about it, Beast isn't in this at all. Um, there are several very high profile, very well known mutants that are nowhere in the new reboot. But in fact, as we talked about on House of M, where Gambit was on the cover, Rogue is on the fucking cover of this book, and again, she is nowhere. Yeah, like Miss not book. appearing in this film is uh, oh. yeah so it's, it's like he's on the cover <laughs> again nowhere nowhere in this book so, so it's just like deadpool they're... couldn't get couldn't get licensing for any other x-men it's right. fine yes <laughs> yes well or they're using characters that people like on the cover sell it, and then... right and then not put them in it yeah oh that's shasty yeah mm-hmm. or, shasty. or the or the artist for the cover didn't know no that idea. They yeah. in the story yeah right so right. simply not informed they were like, hey, yeah. draw a cover for the X-Men. Somebody's like, I'm going to draw Rogue. And they're like, sure, buddy, go with that. <laughs> well, and my... It looks like a really good Rogue. Good right. job. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it makes zero sense, too, because before this was probably the biggest um, upswing of Rogue Gambit storylines because you had the Rogue and Gambit miniseries, which led into their wedding in X-Men Gold, which led to a hugely popular series. In It was called Mr. and Mrs., which was the newly married couple going off and having adventures. So, like, Mr. and Mrs. was canceled because all of these new storylines were going to come out of Oxbox, um, and they were in the new uh, Excalibur run, which, okay, great, but why why not have your most popular, you know, mutants? In fact, Cyclops and Jean are in, like, very little. They're in the assault on the Mother Mold, and that's it. But that's okay. I mean, I'm fine with there being, well, Nightcrawler's also with them, so there's less Nightcrawler as well. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Less Scott and Jean. I'm all for it. Right. I mean, there's <laughs> there's much more uh, Emma Frost than there is Scott and Jean, so I'm good. Right. I mean, Emma's problematic, but I would prefer her over Jean. Right. No, I get it. <laughs> um, 
Well, Scott, do you have any uh, lingering question about the storyline that we can answer? I'm going to caveat that we yeah, can Yeah, caveat answer. and say, ask if we can answer them. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I like, if it goes into like the theoretical physics behind this, I, I am, uh, I'm at a loss. <laughs> um, it, It's a bit of a whirlwind. So uh, yeah. yeah, that. Are you now encouraged to go and pick it up though? Oh, absolutely. Okay, okay good. Yeah. Uh, um, going to support like my, said, my brick and mortar comic shop and, you know. Right. Good. But, and, and like we said this i i don't want to put it as this may be the most important episode of rec conversations to somebody <laughs> but i mean like if you want to understand modern x-men this is this is the last two and a half years of plot um you have to understand that there is an island nation of krakoa that is internationally recognized for reasons and uh you know all of the x-men titles deal directly with mutants have their own government and their own island now yeah so. which is which is kind of really important for trying to get back into you know, right the comic and, and i mean i would <laughs> I, I have read and love because roman gambit are in it but i would recommend uh after this uh jumping into the excalibur series not just because of rogan gambit but also because it has uh psylocke betsy braddock uh, taking on the mantle of Captain Britain, which huh. I, I just have always waited for. Um, plus, they're also doing like jumping around the world things. So it's brilliant. It also talks about like, you know, I read Excalibur before I read Hoxpox. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I read. Rogan Gambit, I read Mr. and Mrs. Oh, and the next one that they're in is, is this Excalibur series. Great. And Apocalypse shows up in the first couple pages. And I'm like, what? What? Ever loving fun. <laughs> so, yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah. I think this this de- is definitely uh, going to help reduce the what the ever loving fuck moments. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. Even like said, even like, of reading this. Like the, the the informational graphics and stuff like that are fascinating. They're real they're they're beautifully yeah. like in, in terms of visuals, it's just beautifully like written and, and arranged on the page. Like it's right. it's it's really cool. The backstory uh is really interesting and and, and deep. Um it there's just a lot of it. Like right. there's, there, there's and, a and ton there are, of there are literal like two, three pages between each book that just give you things that you might need to know to fill in just a little bit extra but the thing that i kept going back to is eventually like they do it several times but i went to the last one there is a timeline for moira's lives yeah oh good and that is yeah that's super cool and actually so it starts from the first like three or four like the first big issue on her first few lives and then like it just has a timeline and you're like okay and then as you keep going there's more filled in in the Mm -hmm. timelines and it's super cool you know because it really helps uh establish what's going on yeah yeah it's it's very very helpful and like and again it looks like visually it's it's very it's very cool to look at in general um i will say if you're if you're someone like me that you're flipping through and you're like ah comic 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 oh there's a bunch of dialogue like there's a bunch of words what we are trained is that the uh pre uh a postscript or a prescript or or whatever and so you kind of skip over it and i did that my first read and i was very very lost yeah uh, and also this is th- one of those things that read the words read, yeah. read the parts in between 
and don't skim it like that's right. the part read, that, read the things with stars because they're not yes. they're not unfortunately a lot of them are not written in a very accessible way um yes. a lot of them are written in Info a very job. like academic dialogue type uh style yeah. um so it's it's important contains important information but you do have to like parse it a little bit like it's not it's not an easy read but it is an important read if that makes sense so leia um all in all did you enjoy you know what um i yes and no i did think that the concept was really really interesting the parts that i most enjoyed i really enjoyed uh the start all of Moira's stuff uh which I thought was really cool um and of course give me all that Mr. Sinister you got um, oh my god he needed to be <laughs> more he was so good I'm, what I'm I, literally gonna get off of this and just be like Jen this is four pages read these <laughs> yeah this that's that's shit. it this um, is your new favorite X-Men character period hard the stuff part, the, parts <laughs> that, the part that I absolutely hated and struggled with the most was anything that took place in year 1000 yeah. um that was that was the part where I was like why is this even in here I don't care I don't it makes no sense I don't understand what's happening like that was the part where I really was kind of fighting with this book but right. outside well, of and that you're, and you're frustrated with it because it doesn't pay off until the very end but it right. shows up towards the very beginning so you've got yeah. this whole thing that by the end you're like I don't fucking what the fuck I, yeah I mean the idea is that yes mutants always lose and I get that but you could have done that towards the end of the book I did not right. read it through uh, 400 some pages. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the part I think that that was that was why I got frustrated. I'm in total agreement with you is because I was like, this is kind of irrelevant information. Why is it here? What does this have to do with anything? And it does end up having something to do with, with the, the overarching plot, but not until the very end. So it's like, well, okay, you could have just put that there, I guess. Like, I don't right. know. I don't think it... I really don't think that that part enhanced the story, honestly. If, you done, know, if I'm being honest, I actually honest. would have done the year 100 plot, and then the uh, you know Moira being killed, jumping to the next life, leave uh, life six a mystery like yeah. further, and then after you've already finish the year 100 stuff then start the year 1000 stuff right no you know? i agree like like you're you've moved it and it's not a lot of moving it but at least it's moving it like 100 pages so that you can be maybe less frustrated by the time that it pays off right because it just it <sighs> It, it encompasses a lot of stuff that I'm like, okay, like, you know, I, I was kind of hitting the wrap it up box on it. I was like, I don't know what this is trying to tell me. Right. <laughs> and, and and again, the, the fact that you and Scott had no idea what the phalanx was, you know, the, the phalanx was not a very popular storyline. No. Um, and they're very difficult to understand as characters, yes, like as characters, yes. like it's a very, right. it's very high concept stuff essentially. Right, right. All right. Anything else? I got nothing. Right. <laughs> Scott? Uh, I'm how did we do more lost less lost I love the explanation um, okay good <laughs> <laughs> because because it it puts it in uh language that I as a relatively blank slate can understand right good. which is the point right yes. Uh, that just makes me you no. Know, it just makes me happy because that way I know that I did my job correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Having having the who the fuck is that guy? Uh, <laughs> right. You know, as opposed to having to to read the book with you know five Wikipedia pages open, going, wait, what the fuck? Wait, what? Right. The, who the what? Right. <laughs> who the what is we that? do for you, honest to yeah. God, it's yes. what we do for you. Maybe, Based on the out. art, <laughs> based on the art, who is this person? I don't fucking know. They're not yeah. named on the page. 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. You would be, you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't as how often that happens to me, because especially with different artists, they sometimes have different takes on the characters. So you're like, okay, who is that? Is it Jean Grey or is it Black Widow? It's a fucking mystery because nobody ever addresses her. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I am, I am currently two issues into uh secret wars. Um, and I have 10 tabs of Wikipedia pages open. <laughs> Yeah, just, there's a lot just to understand what the fuck is happening and yeah, who there's... the fuck random people are that are showing up in this. Yeah, like a lot of these plot lines that we've done have been team up ones where it's been like a ton of characters getting together to do stuff. And and there's no issue. You know, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. But it also makes it very confusing if they don't like specifically say which characters are there. Like you're just kind of yeah. supposed to know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm almost hoping that Civil War Two is a relief after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't yeah maybe we'll find out i guess <laughs> i mean i at least know who the two main people are on the fucking cover so <laughs> good start hot start right like <laughs> i mean okay at, at least an, at I, least they're all from the same comic universe it's not like it's not like right. we're talking about death mate no. <laughs> I, I will say House of X, Powers of X, um, I was very happy with it. As an X-Men fan, um, it is it is good. It's it's worth reading. Um, if you are a fan of secondary or tertiary characters, they will probably show up. Uh <laughs> I mean, it's just and, and be important. Yeah. Um, you know, like the 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 people that were all creating the resurrect able to resurrect the mutants that had died are all what I would consider secondary or tertiary characters. Yeah. Um, you know, Hope Summers has become more important in modern uh, day, but the rest of them are. You know, it seems like they are developing something where every mutant ability has a purpose. You know, um, it's it's kind of like the we talked about uh, on graphical novel we've talked about the uh super friends era aqua band and it's like go down to submit <laughs> i mean and, and that's only important like once every sixth episode you know yeah um, well they had to write it in building somehow. yeah but this is building a society where everyone's mutant ability matters um and i like that i i i do i i like a society being built and i like all the things they're doing with this and i'm excited to move on it is rough to get through initially and i hope that this has helped everyone listening yes yeah i agree yeah i i, I mean like like i said i had to i had to actually do external research on it like most of the time you know with the the previous episodes i've had to do very little of that but this time i you know again had like six different tabs open where i was like okay <laughs> Like, yeah. what's and, Who are and, these people? Right. And tune in in two weeks for fucking Secret Wars. Because yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't envy you having to write that one up. I did not envy <laughs> you to write all of this up. So we're, e- we're so, equal. Yeah, we're even. Yeah. We're 100% even. All right, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It, it, yes. it, it has been a delight. Um, Truly. Yeah. Anyone else out there that has a, uh, a question uh, on a comic book storyline that you have not read, you've heard about, but you would like us to break down for you, uh, as we mentioned before, retconversation at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. Um, but until next time when we do Secret Wars, take <laughs> it away. Send us, get, a, get your kids to send us those book reports. <laughs> That's right. A personal pan pizza to every kid that gives us a comic book book report on something that we've covered. Uh, <laughs> take it away, Vandello. 
indirect conversation, some deep reactions, please. All this comments narrationating me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little fight, baby, is what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Bettendillo 2021.